Good evening. This week's Parsha, Parsha's Titzava, um, is of course the regular Parsha. We take out a second Sefer Torah for Parsha Zohar. Now, Parsha Zohar, as we know, is the only of the four Parshios that everyone agrees that it is a Diorisa. So every woman and every man should seek to it to be in a shul that they can hear clearly every word of Parsha Zohar. Um, here in Borough Park, the Shomer Shabbos has every 15 minutes a minion upstairs for women because the women in the morning, not everyone can get out of the house. They're with little children and the husband's in shul. So they have a Balkoira laying just Parsha Zohar every 15 minutes and I would say thousands of women come because when you pass by you see a line outside they can't even get into the room they're waiting for the next shift and whatever and they go up the staircase to the Ezra and then they go in and have their turn to hear Parshas Zohar. Now uh, Parshas Para is a Suffolk the Arisa so, of course, everyone should hear it, but it's not at the same status and level of Parsha Zohar. Now, we know that there's the four Parshios correspond and bring out the best in the Yud K, Vav K, which corresponds to each one. The Parsha Zohar is the first hey, since it's the second of the four Parshios, it's the first hey. And the last hay, which is the last of the four parshios, um, represents malchus, that all the brachos and all of the midos and spheres flow down into malchus and then come into olam hazed to this world. The first hay, however, we know, is connected bina. And that's the difference between Leah and Rachel. Leah was Bina, and Rachel was Malchus, which in a way it's less Malchus, because it's lower on the rung. But on the other hand, all the Shef and all the Brachel comes through Malchus, through Rachel, Imenu. And that was the mistake of Yaakov Avinu that he thought he could take first that he could marry Rachel and go straight to Malchus and the dis the the distribution of all of that Shefa could begin right then and there. His mistake was that he had to first come through Bina. That's why Lovin succeeded in fooling him, and he had no idea because he thought that he uh, was marrying Rachel. It was only in the morning by he discovered that it was Leah, and it was not 
Rachel. That there was the ability of, and that's why Yaakov Avinu is buried together with Leah, not Rachel, because the hay, the first hay, is Bina, is a higher level, and that's why Parsha Zohar comes out always, they were misakin it, to be read on that second Shabbos of the Shema Be'aya, of the, of Bina, so that there could be a max, maximize the experience and the koiches that come out when we wipe out a molek. Now, I would like to say to you, that in this week's Sedra, last week, Parshas Truma, we had all the Kalim of the of the Beis HaMikdash, of the Mishkan. This week, we had all, we have all the Begodim of the Koyin Godel and the Koyanim, what type of Begodim they have. Now, an interesting note is that the Begodim had shotness in it. Now, why, if as the Arizal says that shotness is so despised by a Kurdish Baruchel, that if someone is wearing shotness, that his tefillahs for 40 days are not listened to, are denied, are ignored completely. And where is the source of shotness? We know shotness is a chok. But where is the source that there's such anger with shotness? And the Arizal says, and the Mesilis Yesharim discusses it in detail, that Cain and Hevel each brought a korban. Cain's was rejected, and Hevel's was accepted. And from that came out the first murder of mankind in the world, that Cain got up and killed his brother. Now, Cain brought pishtum, which is flax, linen. And Hevel brought wool, tzemer, a, a very tasty, fat animal that was covered with wool. So that was the first encounter of the wool with the linen over that bad feeling that his carbon was rejected, came out the Indian of shotness. So if that was such a terrible thing, and it became not only an Isra but a Picabola, that the Tfilas are turned away for, for 40 days, if you're wearing a coat or a jacket with shotness, why would we bring it into the Mishkan, to the base of Mishkan, and have the Koyanim wear it? 
But the answer, says the Mesilus Yesharim, is that there, there, there's a Pasuk that says, Lechavod Ulusif Aris, that everything that was worn had to be with dignity and honor. That means the Gemara says that if a coin was wearing dirty begadim, he was chayav misa bidei shemayim. That doesn't mean a physical death administered by a bezdin down here, but it means a heavenly death with whatever that uh, comprises, whatever is included in that. And there's a difference of opinion what that means. If it's worse than chorus or not, uh, most hold it's not worse than chorus, it's less than chorus, and uh, some years of his life are t- different things are from this Misa Bidei But the Mesilash Yisharim explains that Kayan, there's two things by a Korban. There is form and there's substance. Now form means that when we come, the aesthetics and the trimmings and the wrappings are important. And if you hold that, there's that's not the form, it's the substance, it's the bottom line. He wanted to bring a carbon to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, so he held that it made no difference if it was good flax, if it was proper, presentable flax, but as long as he brought a carbon, he felt that that showed his love for our Kodesh Baruch Hu. <clears throat> Hevel understood or felt that it's not only the animal that it has to be a proper animal, Zekeli Van Veil, but it has to be with the form. It has to be beautiful. It has to be the nicest of the flock. That's what he chose. So it was a question of form and substance, <clears throat> or is only the substance the important thing? So says and explains the Mesilas Yeshorim. And that was the mistake that Kayan made, that he thought it's only the substance, and that the, the, the form doesn't make a difference. And that's why it was turned away by Hashem. He didn't turn and take it and accept it. And the other carbon was immediately accepted. <clears throat> Excuse me, by Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So it came as a tikkun for that original mistake of Kayan that led to him murdering his brother and bringing such a calamity into the world that. We come the big day kahuna, which the Mishkan represented a place of kapara, that a yid who did something wrong or felt that he had to get closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, he had a vehicle and a means of getting closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and that meant also cleaning up a mess. 
which quite often a person throughout his life is creating a mess and he always has to come back and fix it and and be masakin it and do what he has to do to get it into its proper uh, state. And that's why L'chavarulah Sephoris was so important. It wasn't just the begotten that had to be made, but there had to be an underlying understanding of how important the beauty, the freshness, the dignity, the everything. And that's what L'chavarulah Sephoris means. And so says, as I said, the Mesilis Yeshorim, who uh, is buried right next to Rabbi Akiva and was a Gilgal of Rabbi Akiva. And that's why he lived 39 years to be Masakin, the first 39 years of Rabbi Akiva that he didn't learn. He only started to learn when he was 40. But be it as it may, that is why there is such a stress on L'chavod Ulusifaris. Now, I want to mention to you that in this parsha it mentions the halacha, the Indian, that the Koyen Godel, because it talks about Kahuna, that he had, there was a din, the Gemara learns from the Psukim, that if he died and his son was Roy, that means he had to be at least in the general realm, he didn't have to be as big as his father, he became the next Kohen Gadol. And that halacha is by Rashi Yeshiva, Barai Bonim, that if the father and the son, the son is at least in the category of being able to be the Rav, knows halacha, knows how to teach Gemara, then he has kadima, he has preference in fulfilling, in filling the position and the role of his father. But there is an exception, and that is the Koyen Mashuach Milchama. There was a Koyen who was designated and he was in the Beis HaMikdash and in many respects he even superseded the Sagan Koyen Gadol. In other words, you have a president and a vice president. Usually the vice president fills in for the Koyen Gadol. But in the case of the Koyen Mashuach Muhammad, his son did not automatically take over his, and that was the only exception. By halacha, you see the chasam sofers full of things in the Noida Yehuda about Yerusha and about a father with a son when the father dies. So in all the clay koydish, the son is the first to be chosen, but not by the koyen mashuach mulchama. Who was this koyen mashuach mulchama? that when Paul Yisrael went to war, he went out with Paul Yisrael and they sounded the, the chatzotzers, the, the, the trumpets, 
and they waged war. But before they did that, he got up and gave them a speech, a speech of encouragement, of chizuk, of, of and announced that somebody who's afraid of, of the war and the killing and that, go back home. He made that announcement for somebody who just got married and it's the first year of the marriage or built a, a new home. There were certain things that he made, but the main thing was his fiery speech. And if his son didn't, they, they didn't look to his son if he died. They looked who could get up and hold the morale and give a speech that would really shake off all these senseless fears. <clears throat> they were going to war with the Urim Vatumim. They were going, our Kodesh Baruch, who asked them to go. Did you need more reassurance than that? But nevertheless, human nature is human nature. And therefore, he was the one to get up, but he had to have and to possess the qualities capable of conveying that assurance and shaking off all of the fearsomeness of anyone who may be there. So they did not give it automatically to his son. And from that, we have to realize that when we're choosing something for the ruchnius of our lives, ourselves, or our children, we can't look at what is the cheapest, what's the most expedient, what is the We have to look at the target, that who is the Rebbe to do homework or to learn at night with a child, the one who is the most effective in bringing out the best of that day's learning in the child, not the other considerations, just like by the case of the Kohen Mashuach Milchama. Now, the Torah in this Sedra makes a point of stressing and underlining, underscoring, that Moshe Rabbeinu put on Aaron and his son Elazar that the Kohen Gadol and the mantle of leadership always has to be designated not by the person himself. The person could want the position and promote himself, but that's not the way that the Yidden chose their Kohen Gadol or everyone who was in the leadership role. It had to have an indication that Minashamayim they deserved it and that's why it was happening. It wasn't they themselves who ran for office and felt they were the most capable of fulfilling the requirements of the office, but it was somebody else who came and said, like we find, for instance, it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu in Parshas Baloscha chose a Sanhedrin, so <clears throat> it says it was from the ones who protect, protected the Yidden in Mitzrayim from being beaten and being mistreated 
that they chose 70 from there. So the Gemara asked, they knew Halacha? They knew Shas? They knew Kula to be Sanhedrin? So the answer is that the night before, and the Targum Yonis and Benuziota, they went to sleep and they woke up a miracle as if they had learned for 70 years. And they suddenly knew everything. Because leadership requires the intervention of heaven, both psychologically, formally, spiritually, and every which way that it not come from they themselves. And they became the Sanhedrin. They became the actual Sanhedrin for Klai Yisrael. So <clears throat> we know that when Aaron in Parshas Chukas went up on the mountain and he died. He took a lozer with him. Moshe Rabbeinu Hashem said, take a lozer. And that Moshe Rabbeinu had to put on, he put on the clothes here in our sedra, as it says. And for a lozer, when Aaron died, when he was nifter, Moshe Rabbeinu took off the clothes and put it on to teach us <clears throat> that when it deals to a Klal Yisrael, you need another opinion. You need somebody else to confirm that Minashamayim. And when we hire a Rebbe for children, and they're going in to mold and shape the attitudes and the Nishamas of these children, that we have to make sure that we do our research, not to a crazy end, people can overdo it, but just to get some confirmation of the qualities of the person that you're about to give such a mission. That means you wouldn't take somebody and put them into a jet uh, to, to save a thousand people that are on that plane if you didn't know that he was able to go through thick and thin in the air and he had the experience. So we really do things of responsibility with the confirmation uh, and the acclamation of others. And that approbation, that haskama, was shown by Moshe Rabbeinu in our sedra by the fact that he had to put on the coin goggle, he had to put his clothes on. That was like an indication to the entire seabird that he was roy for it, and it was confirmed, and now he was actually going into the vestiture of becoming Koyen Gadol, and when he died, he was nifter, that Moshe took off those clothes and put it on the lozer. Again, the link and the chain of Haskama, of the fact that it was approved. Now, you find that in this sedra, I mentioned it briefly last week, that all of the kalim were created and put together in Parshas Truma. But the exception was the Mizbeach HaZohov. And there were three names for the Mizbeach HaZohov. Mizbeach HaZohov, uh, Mizbeach HaKetoris, Mizbeach HaPnimi. Because outside the Kodesh Kedoshim, where the Aron was, there was the Kodesh. And there were only three things in that 
room in that place, the Kodesh, the Shulchan, the Menorah, and the Mizbeach Hazov, Mizbeach HaKadoris. The other Mizbeach on the Choshes was outside, and they brought all the Korbanos on that. But here there was the daily Ketoris, the, the incense, which was highest of high, uh, which the Kohen Gogol was supposed to do, but he was allowed to assign any Kohen that he chose to light the Ketoris for that day. The Gemara says that whoever lit the Ketoris became fabulously wealthy. And therefore, the, the, uh, the same Koyen did not do it twice. That they tried to give it out to others. I mean, the Koyen Gadol himself could have preempted and done it every day because it was his. But he was Mechabed other Koyanim to do so. Uh, and in that the letter, that famous letter of the Noidabi Yehuda, when someone asked if you can be a Sandik twice in one family, uh, he spoke about, you know, he answered and said, absolutely, you're allowed to, because you see Rosh Yeshiva and Rabbanim are a Sandik in one family more than once. So the Chassam Sofa wrote him a very strongly a strong worded letter against his position because he said that the Kohen Gadol could have preempted any Kohen every day and done it. So you can't bring a raya from, from the Kohen Gadol. But he said basically that Rabbi Yehuda Chassid said not to do it, that it's very dangerous to do such a thing. And that's why to this day we do not take, a person could be a Sandik a hundred times, but he can't be in the same father and mother, that they were Mechabedim once, he can't do it a second time in that family. So, <clears throat> the Ketoris uh, was lit, and the description of this Mizbeach is placed at the end of Tetzava. So the Ramban talks a lot about it, and many Mephorshim, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> Many Meforshim, uh, why is it out of Parsha's Truma? And with the Big Day Kahuna, at the end of Big Day Kahuna, then they talk about the Mizbeach Hazor. So one of the Terutzim that is said is the fact that in the Ketoris, there were 11 different ingredients of incense. And that Ketoris included chelbena, which was with a very offensive odor. It didn't smell good, it smelled terrible. But they mixed it into everything else, and the Mephorshim say, because it was part of kahuna, bringing the Ketoris, and Aaron HaKoyen represented and passed on to all the Koyanim, his love for each and every Jew, even the Jew who smells offensively, meaning in his mitzvahs and his mice tovim, that we include him. And without the chelbana, it's the Torah is not good. You need all 11 ingredients, and one of them was this chelbana. So that's what the Rambam mentions and some others mention in explaining 
about the Keturahs, but they say in answer to their question of why this Mizbeach was put separately in its description and in its command to do it was because Aaron HaKoyim taught us that we have to love every Jew, and he was known for being a Roydev Shalom and a Oyev Shalom and a Roydev Shalom that his whole life, and that's why it says called Beis Yisrael, that all Klai Yisrael cried when he was Nifter because it included the women. There was so much Shalom bias that he repaired and did. So everybody cried, the men, the women. So before we could appreciate this concept of including every Jew and even the Jew that walks in and that will look at him strangely like he looks like who knows what coming into the shul to include him with the same love and reverence for every Jew. We first had to do the Parsha of Kohanim and Big Day Kahuna because they were the backbone of love for Yidden and Shalom for Yidden. So when we get done with the whole parsha about Kayanim and the big day kahuna and everything, then we can come to talk about the Mizbeah Chazav and include the Chalbana, the foul odored ingredient that they put together and mixed it together like everything else. So that's what most say why it was placed there. Now, <clears throat> We know that at the end uh, of the Me'il, there were Pamonim, there were bells of the Kohen Gadol. And it says that when he took a step, when he came into a section of the base of Migdash or the Mishkan, that when he took a step, the bell rang at the bottom of his me'il. And the Gemara says that it like gave a warning. It was like if, if a prince, if, if students are in the hall and suddenly the principal comes out of his office, there's an awe, there's a respect. It sets the tone, the fact that he's right near them, that he's coming towards them. The Kohen Gadol was able by his not even saying anything, but just by walking and the bells clung, they heard. They were heard as he walked. He took a step, you heard a bell. You took another step, another bell. So that was... what was accomplished with the bells ringing. Now, there is a famous question that the Gemara says that Rabbi Yoshua, the famous Tana, before he walked into his house, he used to give a knock on the door. Now, he wasn't knocking for permission to come in. It was his house. But it was a level 
of respect for the household that you don't just barge in on someone. It means even if you walk in, he didn't wait for somebody to come open the door for him. He knocked and he opened the door and came in. But it gave some sort of notice, even though it was a very calm, low-level, low-key type of a notice, but it showed a respect for the human beings inside of the house. And with that, Chazal from the Gemara with Rabbi Yeshua, <coughs> excuse me, we could understand the Gemara says, Venishma Kolo Bevoo Minakoidish, that we were able to hear the sounds when he was walking around from one division to the next, or he was leaving. And the Yushalmi says that from this Pasuk, Venishmakolo, that you can hear his voice, his sound, that 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 cold, cold, Bevoel HaKodesh, is Mechaper Alakol, Bokol V'yechaper Alakol. What does the Yushalmi mean? You see that when Adam, uh, that when Hevel, Cain and Hevel, Cain killed Hevel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked him, where is Hevel, your brother? And he answered him with a little chutzpah. He said, what, Hashomer Ochi Anochi, what am I? the butler or the guard of my brother to know where he is and what he is. So Hashem answered him and said, Kol the voice of the blood of your brother, it's crying out to me from the ground. And the ground became cursed. The ground became cursed because, that, because it took in the blood the murder, the blood of Hevel. And that's why we don't wear shoes when we are Avelim. Because a person who becomes an Oval is in Din for the whole week. A lesser Madrega of Din is the whole year that he's, he's an Oval. But to show that he's a novel and that he has din on him, he takes off his shoes and he attaches his feet to the ground. The ground is cursed, arura o adama, and he is never cursed. He lost a relative. That's a din. That's not. That's not good. That's not bracha. He lost the relative. So the point being that Yushalmi says that since it says that the voice of the blood of your brother is crying out to me that the call of the of his ringing will be on the call of, of Kayan. Now what does one have to do with the other? The fact that he was wearing, the Kohen Gadol was wearing bells, and it made a sound as he walked. 
that that is causing a kapora for the the blood, the cold, the meachichah. The, the Yerushalmi says that this coal comes and is mechaper on the coal of cold the meachichah. Why should that? But the Mephorshim explained. How did the story actually happen? I mean, he got so upset to go kill a brother because his corporal was taken and not be dejected, be angry, be upset, but go and kill something that didn't exist in the world? So the Mephorshim say it doesn't start with murder. It starts with disrespect for another human being. And it goes lower and lower and lower till it comes to a point that you who started off with just a little disrespect for another human being, you could end up murdering someone. That the value of life and everything. And that's why they discuss Rabbi Yeshua because Rabbi Yeshua wanted to instill that when we deal even with the mundane, it's our own house, it's our own family, that even there, there has to be a cognizant awareness of a human being. And we don't have to get down on our hands and knees and we don't have to go crazy, but tapping on the door shows that you're not just walking in on somebody. It's not that we suspect they're doing something wrong, but it's an acknowledgement of menschlichkeit. Because when you have menschlichkeit, you'll never come at the end of a story 10 years later, 50 years, to kill someone. But if you're brought out that somebody else, yeah, just my brother, just my parents, and just my wife, and just my... So if there isn't that sensitivity at the very beginning instilled into a child, a person, of how to value and how to treat with that great dignity, which starts off with little things like tapping on a door, but it brings into the atmosphere of how we deal with people, then you can come to the worst. And that's why the Yerushalmi says, Yavo kol v'yechaper al hakol. That that kol of teaching us the ringing of the bells that it put into the minds of every coin. Oh, the coin gondola is coming in. Let's stand up. Let's be ready. Let's. Uh, it produced in them a worthiness of the next human being and that we have to be sensitive. And if that starts, the first coal, the coal of the, excuse me, pambonen, then it will always be machaper on that other coal that it will never come to that other coal. It'll take away that you won't need the kapara and it will be machaper for that. Now, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu put himself on the line 
throughout the whole Torah. That means when he got into the Midbar, they were complaining, take us back to Mitzrayim, who needed this whole freedom business. He was getting it in the teeth. Every episode after the next episode, the Miraglin people died out. They came forward. You're killing out our people. You're the most Rabbeinu was the whipping boy. Everything was his fault. Everything was a problem. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted always in every story to find a way that there should be atonement and kapara for Klal Yisrael. So much so that when it came to the eagle, which was really the ultimate, because if there was no eagle, as it says everywhere in the Kabbalah swarm, Nashiach would have come, there would have been Gula, we wouldn't have had 3,300 years since then of Radifas and being expulsions and all sorts of trouble for look what we've lived through with the Crusades, tens of thousands, hundreds of killed at the sword. We wouldn't have had any of that, but because they made the ego, we're still in Golos. So Moshe Rabbeinu, when it came for the Kapara of the ego, and Hashem said, let me just wipe them all out and I'll start again with you and let's forget the whole thing. And uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu said that you have to forgive them, and if you don't want to, erase me from your book. Now, Kodesh Baruch Hu answered him calmly that the one who's responsible and guilty, I will erase from my book. And that's how he answered him. But Moshe Rabbeinu spoke, as the Mephorshim say, a, a drop out of order in his thirst to get to Kapara. He said, and, and if you don't do it, erase me. You don't talk to our Kodesh Baruch Hu like that. So his name indeed is erased from one Sedra, our Sedra this week. Parshas Tetzaveh. And if you go from Shemos through Devarim to Zosah Bracha, there is no Sedra that, that goes unmentioned, the name of Moshe Rabbein is mentioned in every single Sedra. But, but in this Sedra, because he overspoke, and a little out of order, Tarkadish Baruch Hu, his name indeed was erased. Now, Parshas Titzavah, some of Forshim say, his name is not mentioned as a shvach, not as that criticism because he spoke too sternly, Tarkadish Baruch Hu. But there was a question about Aaron Akoin if he should be the Kohen Gadol. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu originally was destined to be the Kohen Gadol. But because he gave HaKadosh Baruch Hu seven days trouble in accepting the task and the mission 
of taking out the Yidden from Mitzrayim, he argued with Hashem for seven days. So Hashem said, at the end of your grief, but for seven days, no, I'm not Roy, it's not me, it's a... He lost the schos of being Koyen Godel. And it was given to Aaron. Now, when Aaron had his story with the eagle, that he was only trying to buy more time, he was not participating, but it looked like he was going along to just buy some more time. Aaron lost the schos of the Koyen Godel, and it went back to Moshe Rabbeinu. And then when it came to the Mishkan, he got back that I put his word who Moshe Rabbeinu Davin and said, please give it to Aaron. He was supposed to get it. He lost it. Give it back. And he gave it back. And he said, you'll be the head of the Kehila. You'll be the head Novi Moshe Rabbeinu. You won't be the Kohen Gadol. Now, when the Parsha of Kohen Gadol, which is Parsha's Tetzava, all the big day Kahuna and everything came, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to be lingering. You see, if let's say somebody is supposed to become a certain position and somebody else is appointed, but by the swearing in, he's lurking in the corner, the first guy, like as a hint to the man who became, ah, I really was supposed to be the one to become. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to be around, and that's why his name is not mentioned in this parsha. He didn't want to be lurking in the background that Aaron Akoyim could be even uncomfortable that he ended up the Kohen Gadol when Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to be the Kohen Gadol, and there would have been a lingering reminder to, Mo to Aaron, so he disappeared from the whole scene. Now, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu represented the remembrance of Torah, because the Gemara says that the day he was Nifter, Klal Yisrael forgot 3,000 halachas. And they had to, through Pilpul, in order to bring it back. So you see, he was the cement, because he was teaching it to them, reviewing it with them, going it over with them constantly to keep it fresh in their minds. And the day he wasn't there, it was like you pulled out the cement between all the bricks and everything came down. 3,000, Gemara says, 3,000 halachas were forgotten. Now, if his name is not mentioned in Parshas Tetzava, what is the segula? that the Seder should be remembered if he's not there. Now, in Parshas Tetzavah, there's 101 psukim. And after it tells you how many psukim, like Kuf Aleph psukim, it tells you a simon, that's the gematria of that number, every Seder. So what is the simon for Tetzavah? It says Michoel. And his name, Michoel, is Begematria 101. Because in this world, Moshe Rabbeinu was the backbone for remembering the Torah. But in Shamayim, it's the Malach Michoel who is the backbone 
for remembering the Torah. So if Moshe Rabbeinu was not here in our center in this world, they had to bring down the Malach Michoel, and that's why he's the Simon for the Sedra, exactly 101. Now, at the end of our Sedra, there is mention of the Tomid Shel Shachar and the Tomid Shel Bein Ho'ar Bayim. We know that we daven Shachris and Mincha because there was in the Mishkan and the base of Mikdash two korbanas which were brought every day, one in the morning, it was called the Tomid Shel Shachar, and the afternoon was the Tomid Shel Bein Ho'ar Bayim. And it's described in two places in the Torah. One place it's described in our Sedra, and it says, Es hakeves ho because here in Parshas Pinchas, which we lay in every Rosh Chodesh about this, Tomit Shel Shachar and Tomit Shel Benar Abayim, Every word and letter is exactly the same in those few sukkim in our sedra and repeated over there in Parshas Pinchas. But there is one exception. In our sedra, it says, Es hakeves, the lamb, ha echad, with a hey on the word echad. In Pinchas, it says, Es hakeves echad, without a hey. So if you look at all the words and all the letters, it's exactly the same, except for one exception, Ha'echad. And Reb Chaim Briska used to say and mention a few times that why is it that there's a hay over here and there? Because he said the halacha is that if, let's say, during the Beis HaMikdash, there was a problem in the morning and they didn't have a lamp, so were they a pair? And therefore, if you didn't have in the morning, you couldn't bring the one in the afternoon? Or was it each two separate things? So he said the halacha is that they were two separate things. And if there was a problem, there was a fire, there was uh, whatever the issue was, they didn't have the lamb for the tomid shel shachar, they still could bring the tomid shel benhor bayan in the afternoon. Why does it say a hey over here? To teach you that there's one exception to that halacha, the first day that they brought it. Because if on the first day you didn't have the animal for the tomat shel shachar, you could not bring the afternoon. All the rest of the days you could, but there was one day, the very first day, that you could not bring the afternoon if you didn't have the morning. And said Reb Chaim, and every Yid should learn from that, that beginnings have to be pure and total. The first day, beginning the process of that Tomat Shachar and Tomat Shalbanavayim had to be equally presented. And if anything was not there, let's say for the Tomat Shachar, you couldn't do the Tomat Shachar. 
only that one day in total eternity of the world. Because when a person starts something, he gets married and he begins a home. If he doesn't start doing certain things right away, it's almost never going to happen. If he says, I'm going to, no matter how tired, learn at least a half an hour, even if it's a day that I can't go to my regular share. But I must at least open the Gemara, I must open the Chumash, I must open the Mishnayas, and I have to at least have some time. If he starts like that, he'll be learning at night his whole life. If he says, like some people, oh, we'll have a guest on Shabbos, they have twice a year a guest, and she's six weeks before already flat on her face, she's having a guest, she's having a guest and all the work and all the preparation, the end of the world. But if you start right away, then you'll have guests your whole life. And it goes for that in Sadarim with learning and Sadarim with Minyanim. People, before they come to Rosh Hashanah, can they say they never missed a Minyan that year? Or were there days they came in and the easy way out was to do this or to do that? And, and that's what they did. And it starts with the beginnings. Is it Kodesh Kedoshim a minion? Or it's not Kodesh Kedoshim? So beginning, said Rav Chaim Briska, you have to solidify the push and the effort to make sure that beginnings are absolute are pure and are total in its commitment and its execution. And that would keep us on the right track. So I want to wish each and every one, I'm going to have a separate tape next Sunday, which will be two days before we'll talk about Tanis Esther and Purim, Ezra's Hashem. And this was just for uh, Parshas Zohar, as I said, try your best to be there and to hear every word. And I wish you a wonderful week, a good Shabbos.